In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian court, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God.
My dear friends, good morning. Ministry music team, good morning. It's lovely to see you here, those that braved the storm. We welcome you to C2 this morning here at Community Church, where by the grace of God, all are welcomed, all are loved, and all are affirmed. We are very grateful that you got through the tricky weather this morning. It is a special Sunday here. We will be receiving new members in our C2 service here this morning. Uh, We also have a musical treat. We have one of our youth and one of our C2 ministry team who works in the booth every Sunday. You may know her. Her name is Megan. She is going to be singing the anthem for us today. So we're very excited about that. Um, But why don't we take a minute now to raise up, get out of our chairs, and trust in the Lord.
before we get into our next song, I'd like to invite the young ones to meet in the back. If you are looking for Sunday school, if you'd like to go to Sunday school today, you can meet Miss Leah right in the back doors there. She's got her hands up there. And uh, as Taylor just so eloquently um, started us off, our theme today is going to be about trusting in God, how God calls to us, how God finds us. And how we trust in God, even though we don't always, might not always understand exactly what that call is at the time. So that's kind of going to be what we're going through today. Uh, Would you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for the sunshine that follows. And we thank you for getting us through the storms, all the storms that we face. We ask that you be with us here, Lord, that we... Tune our ears up so that we may hear your call, so that we may discern it, and we ask for the courage to trust in you when we are not always sure what that call is. Please continue to guide our steps, Lord, through this journey, and please allow us to continue to look for your fingerprints everywhere we go. In your name we pray. Amen. I can see the tears filling your eyes And I know where they're coming from They're coming from a heart that's broken in two By what you don't see Present in the mirror Doesn't look like the magazine Only when I look at you It's clear to me That I can't see the fingerprints of God That I look at you I can see the fingerprints of God Just you are And what he's been creating Since the first beat of your heart Is a living, breathing, priceless work of art And I can't see the fingerprints of God Oh, and God's not through, no 
back He's just getting started And I can't see the fingerprints of God And I look at you I can see the fingerprints of God And I know it's true You're the masterpiece in all creation Quieting the blood friends. Uh, as all of you know, uh, everything that's going on in our uh, church, uh, our very vibrant and, and incredible church is on the back of the action page here on your bulletin. I suggest you take that home and keep it with you so you can kind of stay abreast of going on. A few things I'd like to lift up. Uh, I would like to lift up uh, a note of thanks to everybody who supported the Soul Cafe. Uh, our youth ran a cafe for several weeks. Uh, after the service and commotion and, and raised quite a good bit of money and got some really good support and some opportunity to see some folks that they don't get to see every day. And they really appreciated that. I hope you appreciated that. We're kind of closing it down for the season now because things are getting a little bit quieter, but we're going to kind of take a look at it, tweak it, and open it back up when the season starts again in the fall uh, better than ever. But I really do wanted to thank you all of you for taking the time to, to support that mission uh, we do have two mission trips that are going this year, uh, and we're very excited about that, one in June and one in July. And you can also support all of the things that are going on here at the church uh, by leaving a generosity donation at the door. We don't pass the plate here in C2, but we do have an offering basket at the door if you'd like to continue to support the church. We are very grateful for that, and uh, we appreciate it very much. And having said that, one of the very special things that we do here is inviting new members into the fold of the flock. And so I would like to call Reverend Elizabeth and Jeannie Saver, our moderator, to come up and uh, install the new members. We uh, invite forward those who wish to affirm by their baptism in uniting with us in the household of faith. Please come forward with your bulletins at this time. Or you don't have bulletins. <clears throat> if there are others of you who have considered Community Church of Vera Beach to be your church and would like to consider taking the step of membership, even if you connect with us online sometimes, we encourage you to contact by phone or email so that we can talk to you about it. So this morning... We have the Bowden family. We have TJ and Thomas and Kristen. And then we also have Scott joining us today. And Remy Knuckles. Remy Knuckles is from the um, Treasure Coast. 
Homeless Service Council. So we're very glad to have him joining our church. Friends in Christ, we are all received into the church through the sacrament of baptism. Membership in a local church is our everyday expression of our belonging to the larger church of Jesus Christ. Through a process of discernment, we choose a particular church in which to grow as disciples and serve our world. These people are here today because they have been led by the Holy Spirit to affirm their baptism and to claim in our, president, in our presence their covenantal relationship with Christ and with the members of this local church, the Community Church of Vero Beach. They are here for the service of Jesus Christ using the gifts which the Holy Spirit has given them. Hear these words from Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You give glory to God when you bear fruit and become my disciples. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I have said these things to you so that my joy in you may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So I have a few questions for our new members, and um, they're not difficult. No, no math quizzes. And I, I will uh, help you with the answers even. Hear these words from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. So when you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints, and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Is it your desire to join in membership with this community of faith? If so, please say it is. Do you promise, according to the grace given to you, to be Christ's disciple, seeking the new life that he offers, to grow in the Christian faith, and to follow in the way of Jesus? If so, please say, I do. Do you promise, according to the grace given to you, to be a faithful member of the church of Jesus Christ as it is expressed in this community church of Vera Beach by participating fully in the life and mission of this body of faith, sharing regularly in the worship of God and working diligently to further Christ's mission in the world? If so, please say, I promise with the help of God. By baptism, you were made one with us in the body of Christ, the church. Today, we rejoice in your pilgrimage of faith that has brought you to this time and place. We give thanks for every community of faith that has been your spiritual home, and we celebrate your presence in this household of faith. Will the congregation please stand? Do you, the congregation of Community Church, welcome these people 
into the membership with us today? If so, please say, we do. Do you promise to welcome them and serve our church and world together with them in Christ's name? If so, please say we do. We do. Do you reaffirm your own baptism today and your commitment to Community Church of Vero Beach? If so, I'm going to invite Jeannie Saver up to read with you our covenant. Does it need to be on? Okay. On behalf, okay, I'm pretty loud. Uh, on behalf of the congregation here in C2, um, as well as in the chapel and the sanctuary, I'd like to extend a welcome to you all as you join our community of faith. So we're delighted that you're here. We look forward to serving with you, worshiping with you, and learning all about you and having you get to know us better. Thank you for the gifts and the talents that you bring to our community of faith. We're very grateful. Aww. So we have a tradition here at Community Church where the congregation joins the new members in the sharing of the covenant. Um, the words are up on the screen. So congregation, if you will reaffirm your covenant with the new members who are also joining you. In the, in the presence, presence of, of God and these witnesses, we give ourselves unreservedly to God's service and take this to be our church. Ever mindful of the welfare of our fellow members, we promise to walk with them in Christian faithfulness and love. We further promise that so far as we are able, we will attend the services of this church regularly observe its, its rights and sacraments, and share in its work, accept positions of leadership, service, and duty within the range of our talents and the needs of the church, support the church's expenses and benevolences regularly as a steward of God's blessings, teach and cherish in accordance with the precepts of this church any children, nurture and training, may come within our responsibility. Endeavor in every way to make this fellowship a fruitful body, a genuine church family. Will you all pray with me? <clears throat> Gracious God, we praise you for calling us to faith and for gathering us into this church, the body of Christ in our world today. We thank you for your people gathered in this local church and rejoice that you have added to our community of faith today. Together, may we live in the spirit, building one another up in love, sharing in the life and worship of the church, and serving the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome. So glad you're here. <laughs> Congratulations. Congregation, may we please extend a warm welcome to our new members as we pass the peace of Christ with them and to each other. Let's welcome them in. Peace of Christ be with you. So we are continuing in the book of Acts for our scripture. 
And uh, our scripture this morning is, is, is a little bit lengthy. And it's not, to me anyway, very easy to discern. There's a lot of imagery, and it's kind of a two-part story. So we've got one individual who's hearing from God in one space, another individual who's hearing from God in another space, and their stories, God is asking their stories to intertwine. Um, and there's challenges of people understanding exactly what God is trying to say to them in these visions, in these dreams, in the way God is contacting them. And that's a big part of kind of where we're headed as the ministry is continuing and folks are trying to understand what the church is about and God is trying to explain to them that they need to trust in him and he will show them the way. And uh, this morning we have Miss Betsy Smith who is going to be reading the scripture this morning for us today. And I invite you to come up, Betsy. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen for the word of God. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-legged, four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house, and we're standing by the gate. Thanks be to God. As we begin to explore this text in which the Holy Spirit plays the lead role, I want to greet you over in C2. I trust that it is more than cameras, but the Holy Spirit that really connects us as brothers and sisters. And the same is true for those of you who are tuning in from home or from wherever you might be. I trust that the Spirit is holding us all 
together. You be with me in prayer. Gracious God, we give thanks for this text. We give thanks for the, uh, the prayers of Peter and Cornelius and their willingness to listen and to follow. We give thanks for your spirit, even when it takes us in places that make us a little uncomfortable. I ask that you would bless our time this morning, and I ask that my words would be faithful to your word, not only today, but every day. Amen. So if you were to drop a strawberry or, say, a piece of cheese onto the floor, is it immediately considered to be unclean, covered in nasty bacteria, and thrown away? Or do you adhere to what is commonly known as the five-second rule, which allows you to keep it and to count it as clean if, and only if, you can get it up off the floor within five seconds. Turns out there's research into the five-second rule, and that has shown that it's more complicated than simply the time that food spends on the floor. The degree to which food is deemed clean and safe to eat can depend on the type of food, the composition of the surface on which it lands, how much time it spends there, and the type of bacteria that might be involved. I would add that it also depends on how hungry I am. <laughs> After hiking all day and then dropping my dinner in the dirt, I have been known to scoop it up, brush it off, continue with my meal. Somehow it seems like the ground is less contaminated than the floor in my kitchen. And if it was the last Oreo in the package that rolled under the sofa, does it really matter how long it was there? <laughs> Generally, to make it simple, my I and many like me simply follow the five-second rule to decide if food is clean or unclean. Today's text makes reference to and comments on the ancient Hebrew religious laws in which certain foods were considered to be clean and therefore okay to eat for faithful people and those considered unclean, meaning that you couldn't consume them or even touch them without becoming unclean in the sight of God. Animals deemed unclean and therefore unfit to eat were as diverse as raccoons and rhinoceros, clams and conch, geckos and flamingos, and more. What makes food unclean? The scriptures tell us that they just are. It's that unsatisfactory, because God said so, answer. And while there is much conjecture about the reasons that certain animals were considered unclean, it is beyond the scope of this sermon to speculate as to why God might have been so arbitrary. And just before we dismiss these dietary laws as silly, we should remember that every culture, be it national or regional, eats things that we just don't eat, that for us are unclean, animals like dog or cat. Maybe brains or lutefisk. Why? It's just wrong. Why? It just is. Every now and then someone will tell a story of visiting another culture and being served something that makes our stomach turn. When Elizabeth's daughter was in Peru, there was guinea pig on her plate. 
In Japan, you might be served tuna eyeball. In Canada, some jellied moose nose. Live octopus in Korea. Maggot cheese in Sardonia. We just don't eat those things. For us, those things are gross, unclean. We eat the right foods, like pork rinds <laughs> and spam and hot dogs that have been on the grill at 7-Eleven for about six days. <laughs> Beyond food, religious law deemed certain people to be unclean as well. For some, it was temporary. They had come into contact with an unclean animal or with blood, for example. But after a certain amount of time, such people were considered clean again. It's kind of like after a COVID test and you had to quarantine. And after a certain amount of time, you could go back out into public. But there were others for which this being unclean label lasted much longer. A person with a skin disease was labeled a leper which made them unclean and required them to live outside the community for as long as they had the disease. And Gentiles, non-Jews, were unclean all the time. Today's text begins with a commentary on unclean food, but before it's done, we find out it's talking about people. And as long as today's reading is, it only really tells the beginning of the story, introducing us to two of the central characters to fully understand the significance of this event recorded in Acts 10, we need to hear the rest of the story. But we did hear the first character is Cornelius. He was an officer in the Roman army, and he was described as devout, a sincere worshiper of God, one who prayed regularly, probably tithed, and turned in his pledge card on time. Like most of us, Cornelius wasn't Jewish, which made him, like us, Gentiles, those that were not considered to be included as God's chosen people. Well, one day at prayer, our story begins, Cornelius was visited by an angel who instructed him to send for Peter someone he likely didn't know, but who we do know as one of Jesus' disciples, and not just any disciple. Jesus had named Peter to be the rock, the foundation on which the church would be built. So when Peter enters the story, he, we find him up on the rooftop, and he says he's praying and fasting, because what else would a good disciple be doing? I do that all the time. Peter, Luke reports, fell into a trance. He was shown a sheet coming down from heaven containing a proverbial sheet load of animals of all kinds, clean and unclean, and was told to go ahead and eat, protesting that he had never eaten anything unclean. Peter was told he should never label unclean what God has made clean. Just then, messengers from Cornelius arrived, asking Peter to accompany them back to Caesarea, and prompted by God, Peter accepted their invitation, not knowing the enormous effect that these next few days would have on his own faith, but also on the makeup of the church. So at this point, when our text that we read ended, we have these two men, Cornelius, a Gentile Roman soldier, an outsider, and Peter, a disciple a leader of the church, as much an insider 
as one could be. Both have experienced a vision from God, yet individually, these visions were incomplete, even puzzling, it says. Cornelius didn't know the man that he was sending for. Peter didn't know why he was being called. The visions of both men remained barren until their willingness to listen and to follow brought the two together. When Peter arrived in Caesarea, he and Cornelius each shared the vision that led to their meeting. And Peter, for his part, reminded everyone that by coming and entering the home of a Gentile, he had made himself unclean, according to his own ancient law. But, he added, God had showed him that it was not his place to consider anyone unclean. Cornelius told that he and his household had wanted to hear a word from God, and they considered Peter to be the answer to their prayers. So Peter, like any good minister, began to preach. But in the midst of telling the story of Jesus, probably as he was just about to make that really great point, the Holy Spirit interrupted, it says, cutting short his sermon, filling all of those present, both Jew and Gentile, who began to speak in tongues and praise God. In this unexpected and frankly shocking event, Peter recognized that these Gentiles had received the same spirit as had the disciples at Pentecost and concluded that they should be baptized and welcomed into the church. So by all accounts, the baptism went fine. But the welcome into the church proved to be a little more complicated because churches and really any traditional institution tends to resist change, especially one as big as who is allowed in. It was one thing to say that God didn't consider any group of people to be unclean, quite another to have them sit next to you in church. So in Peter's sermon, he tells that the guiding principle for him is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And all means all. Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation. Jesus Christ is Lord of all people. Thus far in the book of Acts, all meant that Samaritans, those half-breeds that respectable society looked down upon, are welcome. All meant that an Ethiopian Jew who met up with Philip along the road was welcome. All meant that Saul, an enemy of the persecutor and persecutor of the church, was welcome. And now it meant that Gentiles, even Roman soldier Gentiles, were welcome. Jesus Christ is Lord of all creation, meaning that the gospel truly welcomes everyone. Just as the Spirit came unexpectedly filling the disciples with courage and the ability to preach at Pentecost, so here in the home of Cornelius, the Spirit came unexpectedly filling the whole group with the Holy Spirit at what scholars call the Gentile Pentecost. The God of all creation is not just for a few, but for all people. Now, there's a couple of things I want to highlight in the story I think are relevant for us in the church today. The first is to note that Peter went to Cornelius' home. 
He didn't insist that Cornelius come to him or come to his church. We in the church are always at risk of making our whole ministry about how can we get people to come here? How can we get them to attend our programs, to sit in our pews? But the Spirit wants to send us out to bring the good news of God's love to people who won't ever feel comfortable coming to a church on their own. The youth ministry which, in which my own ministry began, we always held our meetings in the homes of the kids. The reasoning was that we should be willing to go where kids are comfortable and we might be a little uncomfortable. Rather than to ask them to come to our building, our place where we feel comfortable and they're a little bit unfamiliar and, and uncomfortable. Peter was willing to go where he was not only uncomfortable, but was willing to be made unclean according to his religious law. Now, this doesn't mean you have to get in a van with a loudspeaker and preach on the corner. That job's already taken, here in Vero Beach anyway. But it might mean that you have compassion enough to offer to pray for a friend who tells you about their struggle. It might mean you have uh, the courage to tell the people in your golf group what you're learning it as you read the scriptures. It might mean you have courage enough to stand up for some demonized group, and there are plenty of people being demonized in our world today, and be willing to risk your own reputation, as Peter did, saying that God has not given up on any group or on anyone. That's my second takeaway from the story. No category of people should be denied welcome into the church. And by this, I don't mean that anything goes or that act all actions and beliefs are fine. It means that no category of people, not based on race, gender, political affiliation, sexual orientation, nationality, or anything else that might come up, can be the grounds for exclusion. We cannot exclude from God's church anyone in whom God's Spirit resides. And the, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote that we can tell where the Spirit is when we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. Things like love and joy, kindness and peace, patience and generosity, gentleness and self-control. Anyone in whom the marks or the presence of the Spirit show up, however faintly it might be there, should be welcome. No matter who we are, no matter where we are on our journey with and toward God, people should find companions here at Community Church who will walk their journey of faith with them. And then third, we should note that this welcome is the work of the Spirit. Not of some church growth program, not of an evangelism technique, not the recommendation of some consultant. It's nothing we would think of on our own. This wasn't Peter's idea. It's the Spirit of God, exemplified in the life of Jesus, the one who was always surprising everyone when he assigned greatness to those who were servants, claiming that those who grieved were blessed and giving us life by taking on death. It was Jesus who reached out and touched the leper, making himself unclean along with them in order that they might be clean. It was Jesus who, served the, who healed the servant of a Roman centurion, a Gentile, and praised him for his faith. 
It was Jesus who said, it's not what we put in our mouth that makes us unclean. It's the words that come out of our mouth that count because they come from our heart. Our words and actions say far more about our spirit than does the food we eat. And Mark's gospel adds parenthetically, and thus Jesus made all foods clean. So go ahead and eat those pork rinds or that Oreo that rolled under the couch. They are clean in God's eyes. Well, the church was so shaken by this movement of the spirit that they even had to form a committee to discuss it. Whole councils were convened to decide if and how non-Jews can be part of the Christian church. And then finally, this text reminds us that God is still speaking because the Spirit is still moving. This is the slogan of the United Church of Christ. God is still speaking. And I think it should be in the mindset of every church member of every church. In today's text, God expanded the definition of chosen people to include all people, even you and I. And God is still opening doors, breaking down walls, planting new seeds, showing us new ways to cast the love and grace of God farther and wider than we could ever imagine. It's imperative for us who count ourselves to be followers of Jesus to trust that the Spirit of God is still alive, is still active. To listen to it, perhaps in prayer or meditation, in the scriptures or in that blog you read every week, in those events that make us stop and scratch our head and go, could this be more than a coincidence? In that unplanned conversation with someone who happened to be thinking the same thing. God's spirit is alive when both Cornelius and Peter responded faithfully to a puzzling message that came to them in prayer. And I believe that the spirit of God is alive and with us here today. It's here whenever we have the courage to respond faithfully. And then we will see amazing things happen. It may be messy, but the spirit has plenty more light and love and life to give to us and to all people. And so I ask if we can quiet ourselves enough to sense what boundaries the Spirit might be leading us to cross, to listen for who we might welcome in, to discern where the Spirit will take us next. Amen. Friends, as, as most of you know already, music and song is a very large part of the way we here at C2 worship and, and praise God and are lifted up into the way. And in continuing with that ministry, it is a pleasure to have Megan Cass here back from behind the booth uh, to share her praise and her love of God for you all. Welcome, Megan.
When I arrived at church today, I stopped by to see Paige, who's the greeter outside the sanctuary. I try to stop by and, and share a hug with her. And today she just handed me a piece of paper out of the blue. But we know who brought that paper here today. Please bow your heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing us all safely here today through the storms. And we ask that you stand by us through the storms that life sends. Thomas Lister spoke these words till the storm passes by. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls about above me and there's no hiding place. Mid the crash of thunder, precious Lord, hear my cry. Oh Lord, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes by, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Oh Lord, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Father, we ask you to stand by us through the storms of life. And may we take a moment to silently raise those up whom we love and who are experiencing storms. And may we also raise up praise and thanks for those we love who have made it through. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving within us and among us. As we stand by one another and you stand by us, we raise praise and thanks. And thank you for the firm foundation upon which we stand and build your church. And thank you again for standing by us. Amen. Personally, I like to think this is like a love letter to Jesus, if you think about it that way. Give it a try. I'm a little crazy, but not as much as you think. When the night has come and the land is dark. Wet me up a little bit, man.
clap your hands. Then darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Let's literally take it home. Stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by each other, stand by the Lord, trust in the Lord, and let us not just do it here in church, but as we go out, let all that is unclean be clean. Go in peace, my friends, and may the grace and love of God be with you now and always. Amen.